so I was clear right from the beginning that I would be uh, generous. I mean, you have to give. You have to be generous. You're all about helping other people. And it does come back to you in the most unexpected ways. Episode 160. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am bringing you tremendous stories from business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so they can talk about their business journey so yours can be inspired by it. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. So I'm sitting down with Jessica Lalau, who is the Director of Marketing, Communications, and Social Media at Postcard Mania. She's just an all-around rock star of a communicator and businesswoman. And Jessica, I want to know, uh, Postcard Mania has you know, started in the postcard industry. Uh, you now do a ton of full-service marketing stuff. But you guys have produced about 300 designs every single week for small businesses in their marketing. What's the biggest design mistake that you see out there? Hi, Katie. Um, probably the biggest mistake we see for small businesses especially is that they try to sacrifice clarity for cleverness. You know, they see big, huge companies doing these clever branding campaigns that try to measure things like impressions and CPM, cost per mile, which is just another way to measure impressions and Twitter mentions and all this sort of branding stuff. But when you're a small business, you need to be direct and immediate with your message. And I think you need to immediately let your target market instantly know one of three things. One, what you do. Two, why you're better than your competition. And or three, what problem you can solve for them. If you can do all three, that's definitely ideal. Um, You know, when you're as big as Coca-Cola, then you can start with the cutesy stuff. But (laughs) until then, (laughs) don't get too clever. You know, people just at this point, to be honest, they don't care enough because they don't know you to figure out your message. So just be clear and be direct. So be just go with the bare bones of marketing, make sure that they know who you are, why you're different and what you can do for them. Exactly. Nail that message down, you know, send it out consistently and then build from there. Love it. You have heard it here. The amazing Jessica at Postcard Mania. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. And make sure to go to postcardmania.com forward slash biz women rock to get some free samples from Jessica today. Judy Robinette is my guest today. She founded J. Robinette Enterprises. She is an author. She wrote a book called How to Be a Power Connector. Uh, and that particular book, by the way, was rated as uh, by Inc. as one of the best business books for 2014. She is a speaker. She's a coach. She's a consultant. And in this interview, uh, we really get to dig into some of the stuff that she doesn't often talk about, which is uh, because she's always talking about connecting and how do you really connect to people that you really want to meet? How do you do that strategically? How are you building relationships and leveraging those? Um, which is phenomenal, by the way. Really great information. But in this conversation, she really goes behind the scenes with us and shares a little bit about her history and what has built her up to be this person with this expertise who now has a business doing this. Um, Really amazing stuff. 
She is a super connected and just very savvy businesswoman. And I'm going to be very straight with you. The best nugget in this entire interview, although all of it's awesome, the best, totally best takeaway nugget is at the very end, like the last two minutes of this entire interview. So make sure you you listen to that. Oh, and I almost forgot that we talk about fundraising. I mean, the history that this woman has had raising money for businesses is tremendous. So we go through a lot of different steps to how to fundraise, crowdfunding. She's got some great information about that. So let's go. Judy, what's going on? Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Delighted to be here, Katie. I'm very excited that you're here. You are like the master power connector. And uh, and I was just saying before about any time that I see somebody and encounter somebody who is so established as being the expert at some something and shines doing it, which is which you obviously do, there's a long history of the road that you've had to travel to get here to kind of be in this very... Uh, confident space of where you are right now. So I want to start a little bit uh, about what got you interested in business in the first place. I know you really started your career as a social worker. So talk a, <laughs> talk a little bit about that because social work and business don't often yeah. you know bridge together. So talk a little bit about that time. Yeah, so my undergraduate degree was psychology, and I was going to save the world, and and I became a social worker, and oh my gosh, at about year three, I thought I'd die (laughs) if I saw another uh, little girl raped or or beat. And so I went back to school and got a a master's in economics and ended up in the, the business world, and I'd learned as a social worker, I could give everything away. I could buy Christmas trees, give stuff away, and there wasn't enough to give away. And so I ended up, you know, doing a 180 towards business, figuring out that that is really how you create value, how you create wealth for people. Um, And, you know, one day I was giving a speech at MIT and picked up a a newspaper on how to become financially independent in America. And it said there's five ways, be a doctor, a lawyer, inherit it, marry it. And I thought, well, the first four out, and number five was start a business. And I went, yes, how hard could it be to start a business? <laughs> and, and I came back home, got a $1.2 million SBA loan, and stupid me started a franchise restaurant. What? You got a, just like, you almost like, just like that, you got a $1.2 million loan? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I I had uh, been in in business, and so I wrote a stellar business plan. You know, none of which came right. to fruition. Uh, I mean, I was doing a, a million annually, but every year during the winter, the slump, and you know, I wasn't I was losing money. And I'll never forget, Katie. I mean, I I went to a bankruptcy attorney, just shaking in my boots with my financials. And he looked at my stuff, and he said, "You know, you're not even close." And I said, "But I'm broke." Mm. And I thought, okay okay, I'll fight. And so I decided, you know, I'd try to get that thing turned around and sold. And, and I did. This and was then, your franchise? Yeah. What franchise was it? It was uh, Elmer's Pancake and Steakhouse out of, um, I was trained out of Gresham, Oregon. Okay. But uh, their headquarters is Portland. And oh my gosh, like how stupid was that? Wow. So you ended up fighting your way out of like close to bankruptcy, turning it around and being able to sell it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How long did Salty. that take you? You know, it took me uh, less than a year and a half. And, and, you know, you find out how many things in your head are wrong. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you really have to question your assumptions. And, you know, we all have blind spots. And I love Jack Welch. who says, get better reality. 
And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, and fear was really keeping me from asking for help and finding out really what direction, you know, I needed to go in. So is that what the major difference was? Because if you're completely turning a business around from almost bankruptcy to now you can sell it within a year, what, like, what major tactical things were you doing? You know, uh, my manager and I sat down and we decided we would uh, lower our food cost. We would turn the inventory 12x a month. I mean, we became so good at it that Cisco (laughs) actually hired us to write a booklet on containing food cost for the restaurant business. (laughs) And, uh, you know, then, then I determined that it wouldn't matter how hard I worked. I mean, I was so naive. I just thought if I worked hard and... Uh, everything would work out fine. And and the reality was the market wasn't big enough to support what I was doing. Mm. So what did you do once you sold it? Uh, Then I started working with with other people, uh, with their businesses, and um, I started seeing the same patterns. And um, I, I eventually got asked to run a public biotech company that was broke, they were in litigation and had been delisted off of the stock exchange. And, you know, I'd always wanted to be a CEO when I was younger. And I thought here was my perfect opportunity. So I, I did that for nine years, did some acquisition of technology out of Germany, really uh, dusted off my wings, learned I could, guess what, raise money. And I did the tough things, which is what strategic networking is all about, which is what I ended up doing. Wow. You know, I mean, to get a reputation as somebody who can kind of take a, f- a failing company and turn it around, I mean, it takes a really special person who knows how to not only fight, but like do really smart strategic things fast, you know? Um, how, what what are some of those things for you? Like, how do you survive when you literally kind of walk into something that's failing and walk into something that's like collapsing? Well, you know, the first thing I did was I got better reality, and I kind of sat down and went, okay, this is where we're at, Uh, what do we need to do, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, my gosh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, I'm henny penny. You know, all of my my focus had been on, you know, I've just lost everything, you know, I took this money I'd inherited from my father, I was the bad child, you know, kind of thing, and I started looking for solutions and looking for answers. And taking a hard look at the financials and just determining what could actually be done and and literally just decided that that I would fight, you know, and and I found a a really good attorney, a really good uh, accountant that kind of walked me through some, some areas that I needed, you know, help with. What were some of the lessons that you learned from going out and raising money for this, uh, for this company? Um, You know, the, I didn't. It, it wasn't really hard to get an SBA loan, and part of it was because I, you know, had street cred. I worked for a couple of Fortune 300 companies. I wrote this dazzling business plan, which, you know, stupid me. Um, but later, you know, I found a, a big secret with, with raising money is, number one, you ask for advice. You never ask for money. And you have to get in the right room. So the biggest mistake I see, particularly women make, although women have, you know, the cards are stacked against them. Let me be clear on that. It's only been recently that we've had organizations like Springboard that have helped women founders get funded 
But, you know, the, the most important thing that I see is most people are in the wrong room and they don't have the facts about how that funding ecosystem works. They're not clear on a funding strategy. It's like, you know, they find somebody who they think is wealthy and say, don't you want to give me a million dollars and I'll make you bushels of money? Right. right. Uh, and, and, and that doesn't work. And Or they're knocking on VC doors and VCs fund very small uh, amounts of, of startups and, and usually ones that have high level potential like a Facebook. So if you look at Kaufman's research, it shows that 90% of startups are, are funded by angels. And, you know, thankfully there's 750,000 angels. There are 350 angel groups across the United States. There's 1,000 incubators. And so when you understand, you know, kind of the the pockets of money and how they work and what you need to do to get in the right door and then have the right pitch so you establish a value proposition people really do want their money back plus a return um then then you're far more successful we uh i had amy the director for springboard on this show months ago last year in 2014 and man she blew me away with the resources that they offer. Um, and they've they've launched some pretty big companies, like some really awesome and and Springboard is is really a whole um it, it's a what is I don't even know. It's like it's great. It's like a whole program that women-owned businesses, so women of these women-owned businesses go through to be able to learn how to raise money. And part of that process at the very end is actually being able to do the pitch and actually being able to get connected to investors. And um, and, and it's definitely very specifically for women. And I just was so, I, I had never heard of it before. And as soon as I met her, I was just like, I, this is amazing. And, and it opened yeah. up a whole world of really great resources that are out there. Yeah, you can go. So I'm an advisor to Springboard. You mm -hmm. can go on Springboard's site. To date, $6.6 has been raised, 11 IPOs, 145 strategic cells. I mean, big and, time. I mean, huge. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in consumer products or you're in high tech or, or low tech or biotech. Um, you know, they, they have people who have gone through the program, who have been successful. Now they've had exits, uh, very good exits. And even people now who have started their own funds. On the West Coast, there is Astia, which is also a not-for-profit that helps women. And then the next level up is Golden Seeds, which is the third largest angel investing group that is mainly women. And you have to have a woman founder or someone with significant skin in the game in the company to get funded. And so that has been incredible at opening doors for women as well. And then the, the big one now is, is crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. and, and this will, you know, this, this is just causing a, uh, an amazing uh, wave across the world, frankly. Well, and you've you've written, you know, in the crowd crowdfunding for dummies. You were a co-writer for that. You've definitely know this topic very well. For anyone who might be looking for any sort of crowdsourced financing, what what's maybe like one or two things that they should really be concentrating on instead of all the glitz? So the the most important thing is social proof. So after you you need a video, just short little video. And uh, you have to have social proof. So unless you get 20% of your campaign donated dollars from family and friends, strangers won't donate. And the majority of the people that are looking for deals, they don't go to Rocket Hub or Indiegogo's website or they mainly find you on Twitter. 
So one of my favorite uh, books is uh, the Rocket Hub uh, Handbook, and it's just a short little, uh, you know, soft cover book, and it tells you exactly how. So it's, you know, it's important to have that pitch, but the pitch needs to be a video now. Uh, you know, the average amounts that are donated keep going up and up. Uh, we're well over a billion annually now in, in donations, and wow. women have a much higher success rate. The second thing is you've got to have a network. So the better your network is as you're going in, just like it is on other funding platforms, then the more critical mass that you get. You, you can't uh, – well, the two guys who came up with crowdfunding idea – uh, Jason Best and Woody Neese, who are, are the other uh, writers of the book, or the main writers of the book, I should say, you know, they, they went to the SEC and said, we ought to be able to do this and democratize capital for everyone. And the SEC kind of made fun of them and said, you know, it would take an act of Congress. Well, you know, Obama signed that bill. Uh, but it, it turns out that now, globally, people are adopting these platforms. We've been to Bogota, Colombia, helping them with their entrepreneurial ecosystem. And what's interesting is all the P2P platforms like Lendo that people can get loans from friends and, and family. So it, it's making a big dent, a good one, in being able to raise money. Now, um, you mentioned that you are an advisor on Springboard. You've actually been an advisor or are an advisor for a handful of different companies. And I know that that, um, that really ties back into th the entire networking and being a network and connector person that you are. So can you talk a little bit about, I think we all hear too, like, hey, if you want to get connected, you got to become an, go on an advisory board. That's where all the players are, you know? What was your strategy for getting on these advisory boards and what sort of impact has it had on you as a prof as a person and then like for your business? You know, it's had a large impact on me and my business and my, my strategy and I didn't so much target getting on boards. I mean, people ask me all the time if I would be willing to serve on their board and a lot of times it's because of my connections to money, frankly. Um, I sit on two venture capital boards, a private equity board, besides, you know, Springboard. But um, the, the more visible I have become since my book was published and hit number one on Inc.'s best business book for last year, then people have reached out to me on LinkedIn and, and Twitter even. And so I've been selective about what boards that I serve on. Uh, one of them came as a, a direct result of my my book agent who said to me, you need to meet Mike Muni, who is the founder of Axe Software. It sold for $48 million. Now he has one of the top apps in the world for connections called Viper. And so, you know, I, I met Mike and I serve on his board. I serve on MeWe, which is a private platform for communications. And, and on that board is Jack Canfield. So those things are, are important, but for people who aren't at that level, I can tell you it is absolutely critical to join or volunteer for a powerful organization. When I was, you know, very young, I joined United Way's Finance Committee because I didn't know how to do a budget or finance, and I needed that on my, my resume. I volunteered to be on a governor's committee in Utah, and within a span of three months, I met, you know, three billionaires, several people of influence and, and power. So that's something that you can do. Most people, honestly, are in the wrong room, probably 95% of people. I say if the room you're in doesn't have people smarter or that has access to resources that you need, you're in the wrong room. You know, mm -hmm. get out. And, and when I was younger, I used to see that quote 
if you always do what you always did, you always get what you've always got. And I used to think, well, what do I need to do different? I couldn't figure it out. And I needed to get out of my comfort zone and get with some other people. Now, research shows we only talk to strangers 2 to 3% of the time. And that's a disaster. I mean, if you think about usually your mate, your spouse, critical people, they at some time were strangers. So just a few little different actions. Uh, there's a fellow in Salt Lake that was recruited by a wealth management firm, and he came to town, didn't know a soul. He's black, he's gay. He doesn't quite fit into the typical conservative Salt Lake community and very quickly built a tremendous book of clients. And I said to him, what did you do? And he said, I joined the symphony. You know, he bought the ticket so that he could go ahead and network. And he said, that's where my clients were. And so I tell people, the formula really is quality relationships plus strategy to a specific goal. So humans flock and you need to figure out, given your goal, what is the best room for you to get into? And this is across whether it's getting a job getting your funding, finding the right opportunity. And people talk about it all the time, like if they could just get a lucky break. Well, you can get a lucky break, and it has to do with positioning. Mm. So, I mean, it's obvious in this conversation um, that the history that it, – it's obvious that like the history that you've had, the all the business experiences that you've had, all the advisory boards that you've been on, all of the relationships that you've built have sort of um, – you know, really rounded out to to make you this power connector. And about, you know, about a year and a half ago is when you decided, hey, I'm going to have my own thing. I'm going to launch J. Robinette Enterprises and really make this official and now go out into the world as this as this official power connector to really help people out with this brand. Um, so what was that like? What, it, what were some of the things that you very first started when you started J. Robinette Enterprises? Like what what was your business model at that point? Well, let me tell you. So I didn't plan on, on doing this. I was asked by a friend to co-author a book on how to get funded. And in that proposal, I listed 50 people I would interview, Reuben Abraham, who I'd met in India, who had raised funds for George Soros and, you know, a couple of billionaires. And my agent called me and she said, you know, I thought you only lived in Idaho and then Utah. You must have gone to Harvard or Stanford. And I said, no. And she said, how do you know these people? And I told her, and she said, I've never heard anything like this. You need to do a book on networking. I said, oh, no, I'm not doing a book on networking. I hate the word. <laughs> uh-huh. I, think it's, I think it's manipulative, icky, yuck, yuck, yuck. And she said, no, trust me, and, um, you know, did it on power connecting. And the word power in that is the ability to make things happen for yourself and other people. I would be the last person on the planet you would ever think would write a book on networking. I was so shy as a kid. I had been bullied in junior high in the Fortune 200 companies. If I had to go to an event, I would hang out in the corners. I would show up late and leave early. And uh, so I'm stunned. I mean, I really am. And then, you know, people started following me around saying they would hire me if I could teach them how to network. And I honestly thought they were nuts, Katie. I mean, I really did. And then I started paying attention to what I, I did and my own journey And, you know, it turns out strategic networking solves the tough problems. I mean, you can get on Google and find a great attorney or accountant, but, you know, try to find 10 million in 15 days. Lots of luck. Right. And and that's true. The higher you need to go, whether it's influence or or power. And 
you know, so the first thing that I did was I did, I started with this book and my agent, after we got the book signed, she said, you have to do a platform. And I said, what's a platform? I had no clue. (laughs) And then she said, well, you know, you're going to have to do media interviews. I knew no one. I mean, finally, I asked a few of my friends and, and got, you know, some lovely people to blog about me, like Kathy Caprino, uh, Jerry Steigel, and I was so grateful, you know, I actually sent them homemade candy. But <laughs> so some of the first things, I mean, you would really laugh because I was so naive, didn't know what I was doing, but I can tell you, this is like my passion. And when I figured out what it was I did and how simple it was, and that if I just taught people, you know, a few of my tricks that they could do it. And then, you know, early on, one of my friends said to me, you can't teach this. This is in your DNA. And I said, no, it wasn't. I thought I was shy till I was 40. Mm. And then I taught a couple of people and I just watched the magic. And then I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give speeches. I'm going to do training on this. I'm going to do it because I love doing it. And it's kind of my payback for rent for my time on this planet. Hmm. Um, How did you come to a place of peace with the networking word? Because one of the questions that I was definitely going to ask you is, how do you differentiate yourself as this expert, network expert, you know, because there's so there's like a dime a dozen, right? So how you have to make peace with that word, because it is a common word. And people are going to search that way. They're going to they there's a common understanding of what that really means. So how did you make peace with that? And then how do you make sure that you're seen as different? Well, you know, people very quickly find out that I didn't just write the book on it. I do this, and I do this everywhere I go. And and that becomes very clear with people when they, you know, link in or, or reach out to me. And so I was clear right from the beginning that I would be uh, generous. I mean, you have to give. You have to be generous. You're all about helping other people. And it does come back to you in the most unexpected ways. So one of the things was making sure that when I'm interviewed or any media contacts that, that I explain exactly what I'm about. And it's about being authentic. It's about being generous. It's about caring about people. So, you know, I, I started by saying to people, I wouldn't let anybody in my network unless they had a good head, a good heart, and a good gut. You can find people smarter than you all day long. They'll stab you in the back and let you drown. And then, you know, people that just don't do what they say they're going to do. So, and I boiled that down to a very simple Oprah-Martha Stewart test. Now, they're both billionaires. They're really good at what they do. But if I had to have one that I would trust with my back and my future, it's Oprah. That's my values. And I'm not into transactional stuff. I'm into long-term relationships. I mean, I really do value people, and I'm careful about who I have in my network, as should everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your book, and that's sort of the first thing that, that you really launched as uh, J. Robinette Enterprises. You know, like, okay, I'm going to launch this book, my area of expertise, my knowledge base, and get it out there as this product. You have 144 reviews on Amazon, all five-star reviews, by the way. That is amazing. I mean, I have seen people who teach how to launch a book on Amazon who don't have that many reviews. So how how did – you obviously are connected, but what strategies did you use to, to get people to review your book? Actually, there's a few that are uh, four, and there's one guy who gave me a one and said that – he didn't like my book at all, and, and I just let the community respond, and some guy said, I want that book, I'll buy it from you. 
But, um, I love it. So I, I was introduced to Kevin Hall, who has 800 plus reviews. And he said to me, Judy, you make sure that when you give speeches and you talk to people, ask for a short, authentic book review. Uh, just drop your ego. You don't care. You're not trying to get your ego stroked, but, you know, ask. And, and so that's what I've done. I have asked people if they would be kind enough to do an authentic, short book review. Hmm. That's simple. See? just that simple and it's obviously great content and i because i think the deal with the with amazon is like you have to have bought the book and in order to to make the review right yes got it so um so you launched this book and this obviously kind of launches this whole brand for you like now you're you're seen i mean you had always really been this person known as this power connector the the woman with the what did what is the word yeah, the, titanium, the, titanium rolodex right yeah. Um, and, you know, as I was looking, I was researching for you. I mean, you see pictures of you on the panel with Mark Cuban. I mean, you're you are either written about in Forbes or you're you're writing articles for Forbes a lot. I mean, you're you're all over the place. Inc. Magazine listed your book as one of the best for 2014. So, I mean, you definitely have this brand. You launched this book. Um, talk a little bit about some of the other things that you've built out for your company. Like, I know you have like coaching and consulting on your website. Like, what are some of the other ways that revenue gets driven into your company? So, you know, the first one came from people asking me to do speeches. And, and interesting, I had done an assessment, kind of a market assessment, and it just shows you how you need to listen to the market instead of, you know, write these great business plans. Uh, and surprisingly, I started hearing from realtors and even people in the MLM world started reaching out to me. And I hadn't really planned on that. But so I started giving speeches. Then people started contacting me and saying, geez, I've got 5,000 people in my network and could you help me whittle it down? So then I started coaching just a few people. And, and I also work for, with a couple of very high-end business guys uh, with their um, startups and mm-hmm. it's for opening strategic doors. Mm, and it. now I've been asked to look at, you know, putting together a short webinar series for World Bank for entrepreneurs. I've been, you know, a couple of big companies have reached out to me to do training that's related to, to sales. And so I just, I'm uh, blessed. I mean, I pinch myself. So a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from the Assistant General Secretary of the United Nations who had found out about my book and invited me to New York. And I'd never been to the United Nations, so that was just great fun. And then a fellow heard me on a podcast. His name is Dr. Bose. He has a CBS segment in, in Texas. I flew down two days ago and was on his show, the first one for me. Nice. I was a little nervous, but, you know, <laughs> loved loved doing it. And now and you're now, a pro. Check you out. Yeah. <laughs> So, and now I'm going to be working on a reality TV show. So, I'm, I'm just having the time of my life. And, you know, it was always kind of in my core. But I don't know. If somebody would have said to me, how could you make money doing that? I would have went, you know, ooh, I'm not sure. Right, right. But it's just sort of when you're following it, it just when you're following your passion, it just sort of happens. It does. Um, what what sort of personal habits do you have that help make you successful or um 
a less of a bland statement that help you move forward the way that you want to because you see you are progressing very rapidly things are coming to fruition for you and there, there you definitely have to be able to handle that appropriately in order to keep on moving forward in a focused manner so what personal habits do you have that help you move your business forward you know i've always been a voracious learner and uh, so learning is important to me. You know, I, I finally learned, and I think it was from getting the brick to the head at the restaurant business that I needed to get help of, from other people, <laughs> mm. to depend on other people to ask for uh, advice. And then I determined I couldn't do it all alone. I mean, I think uh, next week I have potentially 12 podcast interview people that want to talk to me. And so I quickly found uh, an assistant, found somebody to help me with the web, found uh, Jennifer Abernathy, who's the author of two books on social media marketing, to help me do social media so that I could really focus on what are the top critical things that, that I need to drive the business to get my message out instead of just, um, you know, spinning my wheels. Mary Kay once said, you know, get up and every day, write down the six most important actions to get to your goals. And so I do that. I actually give a a lot of thought to uh, does this relationship, does this event help move me towards my goal? Now, I I love people. I could easily spend, you know, four hours a day on LinkedIn or, or tweeting, but I have brought a little more discipline to myself. And a couple of tricks that I found that are really kind of fun is when you're talking with someone, you take out a piece of paper and write P-A-D-D. And P stands for what is the purpose, A is the action, D is the details, and the other D is the deadlines. Mm. And I found that helped me to get focused on calls plus, you know, keep the notes, keep myself better organized. I love that. Man. And then the other thing is I've gone to people like Kevin Hall who have done this before and said, oh, my gosh, you know, what makes sense for me now? And, and you know, I was like, honestly, a, a nobody. And they said I was from the Midwest. I kept telling them that Utah's in the West. <laughs> but, you know, if you're not from New York or San Francisco, you, you kind of don't make the, the map. So it's been a lot of work. And you find out my uh, publicity manager at McGraw-Hill, Ann Pryor, said to me one day, Judy, there is no silver bullet, and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, and I've asked for help. So research shows if you're raised lower to kind of middle class, you're taught to work hard, keep your head down, and not ask for help. And I think that was an early mistake of mine in my 20s. I just thought if I just worked hard and kept learning, 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 you know, I could do it kind of by myself and could figure it out. And now I ask, you know, so, and this is something I teach people. I call it two golden questions. So most people don't mine the network they already have. And they're like one person away from the answer they need to get to whatever they need to meet their goals for 2015. And so I say, tell a little bit about your story. You know, here I am trying to get my book on, you know, the New York Times bestseller, whatever, And number one, what other ideas do you have for me? Number two, who else do you know I should talk to? So it gives you the best information in context to your goal, and it allows you to literally crowdsource who the best person in that network is. And everyone on average knows 632 people, according to Pew Research. And so then you go to the next person. Well, guess what? Then you you end up with billionaires in your Rolodex. I, I mean... 
uh, you're right. You know, I was on a panel with Mark Cuban. I know Gina Davis. I, you know, know Barbara Cochran. Mm -hmm. Um, And every once in a while I pinch myself. But when I think back to what I did, it's just I followed some very simple behaviors. Right. And I was going to have the ending question be for anyone who's listening who really wants to get connected to that major power player for whatever reason, how can they do it? What simple steps can they take? And you just described all of that. So press press rewind, uh, 60 seconds or so if you need to hear that all over again. Um, but that, that's just fantastic. That's really what it is. Be strategic, you know, ask the right questions and just, um, keep expanding the the network. Yeah. And most people are so accessible, Katie. I mean, Twitter, LinkedIn. Now a fellow I'm on his board of directors told me he tried to figure out how to get to, I think it was Harvey McKay and he's really well protected. So he figured out who the next level people are in his circle and he got to all of them and then ended up with, with Harvey endorsing his book. So I'm telling, and, and the big secret is to develop a value proposition. Mark Burnett endorsed my book. I didn't know Mark. I found him through a friend of a friend, and I said, what is his problem? What could I help him with? He, had, he, had, he and his wife, Roma Downey, had spent $18 million on the movie The Son of God, and they needed some marketing help. So I did some research. I found out the Catholics, the Baptists. It looked like everybody was on board except for the Mormons. <laughs> and I said, why not? You know, there's 16 million, very well organized. So I asked someone, you know, schedule a meeting. I'll just spend 15 minutes and I think I can help him. Guess what? We went to dinner. I helped him. Guess what? He endorsed my book. Wow. So, what is a value proposition? Everybody on the earth, it doesn't matter whether you're the billionaire, the, the president, everybody got problems everybody's got solutions so you figure out what is their problem how can i help them and that puts you in the upper one percent and then you become a keeper and then they go i need to have this person in my network yep absolutely man i love that that is the uh, big takeaway from this entire conversation i love it Judy, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I know you get interviewed so much about the, the the expertise that you have. And I just, I so appreciate it. Uh, and I love the vantage point of the show that always gets um, a little bit behind the scenes as to how you've made this all work, not only for yourself, but how you've built the business behind you, how you've let your prior experiences really impact what you're doing right now. And um, just thank you so much for giving such great information. Well, thank you. And nobody has asked me these questions before. So it's a pleasure. (laughs) And if there's anything I can do to help you, I mean, happy to help. And that's the truth. great just like I said man she just she totally gets it and here's what's so great about Judy is that um, she is what she preaches meaning um, you know afterwards we were just talking about I was like okay how can I help you and um, she makes you she engages with you so that you want to help her like it's just natural to say like how can I help you you're awesome she's trying to get her her book uh, as the New York Times bestseller so here I am asking you go get her book it's awesome and she knows this stuff inside and out. And she was wonderful and came, how can I help you, Katie? What do you need? Awesome. I know these awesome women who would be great on the show. So um, anyway, just really, just, uh, that's, I love when you feel in the flesh what somebody talks about and what they say their expertise is. And that's exactly what Judy's all about. So hope you really enjoyed it. Hope you got something great out of it. And my wish for you is that you come up with that person, this big you know, the big fish that you want to go catch um, for your business in some weird way. 
and follow Judy's advice and go make it happen because we are, you know, they're probably a lot closer than you think. So have an awesome day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.